2: Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra. No, it's not. Hello and welcome to another Arscast. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on ArseBlog.com. That, my friends, is getting the new year off to an auspicious start. How are you? Happy New Year. I hope 2019 brings you everything you could possibly want and desire. Health, happiness, good fortune, prosperity, and of course... This is where you insert that thing about football that you desperately want to happen, such as... Tottenham Stadium never gets built. Pochettino leaves and they appoint Jose Mourinho. Arsenal signed defenders who can defend. Pep Guardiola wakes up one morning with Michael Bolton's 1980s hair. And in a kind of reverse Samson thing, it makes him terrible. Troy Deeney loses both cojones in a workplace accident. Torrera. Mike Dean retires. And many more. The world is your oyster in 1929... Or indeed, 2019, for that is the year that we are in right now. I'm really not making a good go of this. This is, this is not uh, brilliant, I have to say. But in my defense, I have a uh, cold. I have a kind of head cold type thing. And I can only really hear out of one ear, which is not ideal when you're doing this kind of thing. So, you know, bear with me. And if I'm slightly confused, it could be a fever It could be, I don't know what, could just be me being crap, which is probably the, uh, what's his name? The Razor guy, Um, Occam's Razor. Wow. Maybe I should start again, do you think? I'm not sure I should. I've come this far. And I'm just going to plow on regardless and see where where this particular podcast takes us. A little bit later on, I will be talking to the head of the Blackpool Supporters Trust, because obviously Arsenal are playing Blackpool. Did I say Blackburn or Blackpool back there? I think I said Blackburn. No, I didn't. I just went back and checked and I said Blackpool. Fuck. I don't think I've ever made this many mistakes and left them in. In the podcast. Anyway, the Blackpool Supporters Trust. We're playing Blackpool in the FA Cup on Saturday and the home attendance is likely to be very, very small because there's a lot going on at Blackpool Football Club and not much of it is good. If you're a fan of Blackpool, we'll find out exactly what and why. The home fans are staying away from their games and what Arsenal fans can do to support them on Saturday, because when you hear the story, you'll realize that uh, it is something that football fans should get together on. Um, Bad ownership, let me just say that, to give you a bit of a hint uh, as to what is coming. That will be a little bit later on in the show, and of course, we'll be looking back on the Fulham game, looking back over the festive period, which... I think, didn't go quite as well as we might have liked. Even if you weren't confident of getting a result against Liverpool, the 5-1 defeat was was pretty disheartening because we were so competitive with them in the first game at the Emirates in early November. Now, I know quite a bit has changed. We're not as solid defensively as we were back then. There have been some injuries. Rob Holding is out. Hector Bellerin is out. Nacho Monreal is out. Uh, Mustafi is in. Licksteiner is in. So, you know, there have been some problems for Unai Emery to deal with, but it was a damaging result. But I also think the Brighton game as well is one when you look back on it and you think even if we weren't going to do well against Liverpool, you looked at Burnley, Brighton and Fulham as three games from which we could have taken nine points and nine points from 12 is obviously healthier than seven points from 12. If you do the science on it, if you get right down to it, work out all the permutations and and everything else, it's too better. Too better. And we can't afford to pass up chances to be too better when the fight for the top four is as tight as it is. It is very, very tight. Chelsea are in there. Manchester United, four wins from four under Solskjaer. Boo. As I'm telling you, that's why I am so upset by the uh, sacking of Mourinho. It's actually made Manchester United players realize that they can play football again. They do have a strong squad. However, people wanted to laugh and point at the way things were going under Mourinho, which we all did. We all did. And I think now we have to take some responsibility for what's happened. Maybe we should have laughed a little less. Maybe we should have been less crowy from the sidelines. Maybe we shouldn't have mocked. Maybe we should have just kept it quiet. And he would still be in charge. And they wouldn't be right up our arses, which is not where I want them to be. I'd prefer if they were further back because they do have good players and a big squad and they're in the mix now for the top four. And it looks like it could well be a shootout between us, Chelsea, and Manchester United. And when you look at the way things are with us, how we're struggling a bit to cope with injuries at the back, we're struggling to cope without Danny Welbeck in the squad, we're struggling without Mesut Ozil in the squad, Uh, a good Mesut Ozil, I should say. There's no Henrik Mkhitaryan, which would be fine if you had an adequate replacement for him or a better replacement for him, but we don't really. Aaron Ramsey, is he going to be in and out of the team now that this whole Juventus thing is going down? So it is shaping up to be a really, really tough fight for that top four. Of course, we do have another way into the Champions League, which is... Uh, via the Europa League with our specialist Europa League winning manager Unai Emery who of course has won it three times with Sevilla three times in a row with Sevilla so you know you could have some confidence that he could guide a team to another final and uh, another European trophy on the Arsenal trophy cabinet would be very welcome indeed not least because it does get you back into the Champions League but bread and butter stuff is the Premier League and we're having to try and cope with a squad that feels a little bit threadbare at the moment and a squad which I think needs some investment in january so maybe that's something we can talk about now with our guests all that and much more joining me a man whose videos you might have seen on twitter before every game he creates what some people might call an inspirational pre-game video and they're always really really funny so it's a pleasure to have him on the show it's Frimpon. how are you man i'm good how are you doing i'm very good i have to say these these videos are um they're outstanding, they're funny, they're overwhelmingly positive, and I think what I like most about them is that sometimes, perhaps a bit more often than you would like, you kind of <laughs> you kinda have to, to
1: eat some humble pie afterwards, but I think yeah. that's part of the charm. I mean, yeah, because, come on, it's football, you're going to lose, you're going to win some, yeah. um, but... Obviously, like the the coaches don't go into the the change rooms and be like, you know what, like it's Liverpool, we're gonna lose today. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, just go out and see what like they go in positive, thinking they're gonna do something on the day. So that's what I try to bring to it. And obviously, when it doesn't work out. I've got to kind of backtrack again, kind of make light and make fun of the situation. So uh, yeah, I love doing it, man. That's 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 the whole point, really. Yeah,
2: look, I mean, I think the thing is, you
1: get uh you get
2: so much reaction from other people on Twitter, probably other fans of, of other clubs, when you're doing a video and it doesn't work out the way it should work out for Arsenal. All of a sudden, uh, you're on the receiving end. But I guess most of them will realise that it is it's a it's entertainment. You're not necessarily being quite as serious as they might think.
1: You know, it's funny. It's like. Most of the videos, I'm I'm hyping up Arsenal, so I yeah. don't get get why. Other when we're playing certain teams, they get triggered by what I'm saying. Like I haven't said anything bad about your club, but like, oh, yeah, you've lost. I was like, I was just trying to hype up my team. Like, what am I supposed to do? What, just not hype up Arsenal? I support them. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's going on here? So uh, I thought I find it funny when I just ignore it really. But I like it. I like the banner as well. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they actually have good uh, comebacks. So. I enjoyed them as well. Uh,
2: it's brilliant. If you haven't checked it out, the Twitter handle is at Frimponline. Uh, and I think it would be fair to say you do actually sometimes take a bit of a pop at, at some of the other teams, but in a <laughs> in a friendly way. It's not. There's nothing uh, particularly mean about it. But uh, you know, I can see why they might come back at you if we don't yeah. get the result. About it.
1: I say I don't know why they come back. I'll probably. Come back at me as well. They, I, there are sometimes I do say stuff that would probably rub people up the wrong way, but hey, it's it's banter. It's football. That's what, it's all the point. That's the whole point. And like you make fun of my team, you I make fun of your team, and then uh, yeah, we go for a drink after.
2: Yeah, maybe or maybe not. You yeah, stay over maybe, there, and I'll stay over here. It's what, fine. If talking maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kamir, tell me how you're feeling about the the festive period where we played four games, one, two, drew one, lost one. You know, on paper, probably a little disappointing when you think about the Brighton result. But how, how do you view it based on the fact that we did have something of an injury crisis over the Christmas period in terms of the defenders um, available to us? It's all been a bit makeshift back there.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, it could have gone, well, I say it could have gone worse. We got smacked 5 1 at Liverpool. Um, but. Um, we always struggle in December, innit? It's, it's not really, it's not, it's never straightforward for us when, in December. So I'm not surprised. I'm surprised of the five-one. Definitely, I thought we'd go there and give Liverpool a game, but mm. we didn't. We just didn't turn up. And then obviously the Brighton one is a game where we should be winning, but like we literally had no defenders. So again, I'm not surprised that um, we didn't get a result there. And they just looked tired. They looked really tired when uh, I was I was watching them. So um, uh, good, and there are some good points. There are some bad points, but um, yeah. Hopefully, the new year uh, we can do much better. I mean, we started off great uh, for one at Fulham. So um, hopefully, uh, we we take that um, form into Blackpool and we don't get upset like uh, Nottingham Forest. Imagine another Nottingham Forest.
2: No, I don't. I don't <laughs> think we could do. I think we could do without that. To be yeah, perfectly honest. You-
1: you know, you think that uh, people are on Emre's back now. Imagine if he lost to Blackpool. Jesus. Yeah. Well, I think,
2: Do I mean, do you think they're on his back because of what we're doing in the league? Do you think maybe the Tottenham game and the Carabao Cup played a part? Is it the the Ozil thing playing a part? I, You know, for me... He's six months into less than six months into a really difficult job, isn't he? You know, he's he's got to be backed in the transfer market. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes' time, but you know, it, it seems a little early. It's fine, I think, to to be somewhat critical of the decisions he makes from here or there, but not to get right on his back. The other day, I mean, the Lacazette substitution against Fulham, for example, was one where uh, it, it just felt a little premature.
1: In a ways, I feel like going into the season everyone was like okay it's going to be this transitional period where we're probably going to be crap for the whole year we're not probably going to do and then we lost our first two games and like oh yeah yeah cool it's going to be a transitional year then we went on this sick run and he's like hyped everyone up and they're like oh my god like we might (laughs) be able to actually do something like of significant uh the season and then obviously We've been we crushed kind of back to earth, and then I feel like again the kind of feels of the Wenger era, of yeah, last year December we would be the same, would go into December and we wouldn't do that well, and I feel like they're just getting on his back like too quickly. Like come on, like you said, it's only been six months, and he hasn't really, really been backed in the transfer window. Like he's done actually really well to uh, in terms of how mo- uh, the players that he's brought in. I mean, you've got Tierra, who's been, like, probably our signing of the season for, like, nothing. Um, then you've got the Lindsteiner, it hasn't really worked out. But I feel like we had to kind of go that way because it just seems like we haven't got money. I mean, I don't even know what we're going to do in January. It, it's hearing that we haven't got any money to spend in January. So uh, mm. I just feel like we just need to be patient. We need to be patient because it is a transitional period. And, yeah, he's only been six months let let the guy work let him at least get it wrong (laughs) he hasn't totally got it wrong I mean we're fifth I think we're only like three points or fourth place yeah like it's not it's not doom and gloom
2: yet you would have probably taken that wouldn't you when when the season started if you're told uh you know January 1st or whatever it is you're going to be three points behind the top four I think most people would have said okay I could live with that as a position to find Arsenal in. Uh, you know, uh, leaving aside the context of it all, I, I, I don't think that there's anything particularly wrong with where we are based on the kind of squad that
1: we've got. Like, I, f- I feel like our target, our target is f- top four, and we're literally like three points mm. behind the top four. So I don't understand what what the issue is. Um, I, maybe there is still because some of the decisions where he takes off Lacazette. Um, and they still feel like, ah, uh, they still feel that like from Wenger's era of it being the same. But then he took off Lacazette, and the Rambo came on and scored a goal. Mm. Uh, like you booed, you actually booed <laughs> Lacazette off. I'm um, sorry, uh, the decision, and then the decision worked out. It's like yeah. you shot yourself in the foot. Just back the manager, and then we start we start making and thinking about his decisions and how the game went at the end of the game. Like support the team to the end. Like I'm tired of this half-hearted support when we go when we um we're, we're, when we um what's the word when we're kind of down and it doesn't look like things are going so well it mm. we just seem to turn on the, the the players and the supporters like I'm tired of that we should we should leave that with Wenger when he left like this is a new a new guy like a new kind of era. let's let's just get behind the boys like he got really toxic when uh Wenger was here so mm. yeah let's just get behind him and again he's only been here for like two seconds. Like, let him work.
2: Lacazette's reaction actually was quite good, wasn't it, when he came off? And obviously he might have been disappointed and... He helped it. Yeah, he he helped helped it, didn't he? He helped really quell the the disquiet in a positive way.
1: Like, he helped the situation. And I feel like that's what he needed because most of the pictures we've seen from Lacazette, which they always seem to catch, is him on the sidelines just being moody after being... um, And I think he's probably seen that. I thought, you know what, let me squash this because it's not it's not as bad as it is like we're, we're behind this manager and we want you know play for this guy and we want to get the results and if the manager feels like this is the right decision I've got to back it so yeah he did help he, did, he needed to do that I feel like and yeah it, it worked out because Ramsey came on and scored
2: Ramsey came on and scored and as far as we can tell the Uh, The situation with Aaron Ramsey is that he is going to go to Juventus. That's what the stories are at the moment, that he's about to... Well, he's going to sign a pre-contract deal with Juventus, move to them in the summer, leave Arsenal for free after 10 years. What are your thoughts on Ramsey leaving the club? And what are your thoughts on Ramsey leaving the club for free? Uh, There are two, I think, slightly separate issues.
1: Leaving? uh, I'm actually quite upset that. I mean, Ramsey's been quite hit and miss, but he's also the guy that's handed us two FA Cups and people need to not forget that. Like, his goals literally secured two FA Cups for us. Um, But I'm sad to see him go. Um, Would I have kept him over Ozil? Seeing how he's reacted, knowing he weren't going to sign a new deal, yet still turning up to work and still being, you know, still going 100 miles per hour for us Mm. maybe I don't know but then uh, I don't know yeah maybe I think I might have kept him over Ozil him I'm only the only saying grace I feel is that he's leaving the league I don't think I think it would have been hard to see him play for another Premier League team
2: yeah yeah, I think that would have been difficult for me as well. And he has always said he wanted to go abroad and you know, if a player gets to the end of his contract and decides he wants to have a new experience, try football in a different country, I think we've got to respect that and wish him well and I think you're dead right about Ramsey. You know, he has been inconsistent perhaps. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, there's there's players who can produce big moments who may not be the best players of all time but who are there and can produce at at big moments and Ramsey has done that in two cup finals for us and I kind of maybe I'm projecting and getting a little bit ahead of myself here but I'm kind of envisioning Aaron Ramsey's last game for us being the Europa League final okay and (laughs) in, in the in the 84th minute He's just going yeah, to he's just going to catch a left-footed volley from just inside the opposition half and it's going to f- fucking fizz over the goalkeeper into the top corner of the net and that will be Aaron Ramsey's parting gift to Arsenal Europa League into the Champions League of course uh, by virtue of that uh, I know I'm just making up a mad scenario right. in my head to to make myself feel good but I'd like it
1: it's happened, Like he's done it before. He's done it twice. Even um, his goal against Galatasaray. Oh, that is like imagine he scored it like that. Oh, oh, oh my god! I'm jizzing my fucking pants. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, I just feel like yeah, it's actually a good club to go to as well. Imagine going from playing with Sonogo to playing with Ronaldo. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite the leap, yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty decent. But um, yeah, I will really be sad to see see him go. I mean, he. Uh, do, what do you think about? Do you f- do you feel he's a legend? Do you uh, take him as a legend. I think when
2: time passes, if we're looking back on someone like Alan Sunderland, uh, who yeah. scored in the nineteen seventy nine FA Cup final, and is remembered in legendary fashion, because it was uh, a legendary cup final as well, yeah. 3-2 yeah. against United. If he's a legend, Ramsey's done it twice, once against yeah. Chelsea and once against Hull. And I know it was, you know, you can say it was just Hull, but we oh, were 2-0 down. <laughs> and it was it, fucking yeah, exactly. extra time.
1: Game. It was the game where literally this, if we had lost that final, I think I would have to commit suicide. Because <laughs> literally, I had not want anything... For a time, everyone asks me, "What's what's your favorite ever Arsenal moment?" I always say it's the 2014 FA Cup, and they're like, "Well, no, not the Invincibles." I said, "Mate, I'm um, literally I went through success, and then to go like years without it, and the time where I saw the success, success, I was quite young, mm. like I I, I I was in it, but I wasn't really in it. Whereas I was at the stadium." I was I was I was old enough to drink, so I was from drunk as fuck. And then uh, you're really in it. And then we went two 0 down, and I thought, what the fuck? Yeah, this is just not going to happen for us again. <laughs> we're we're just going. And then to Kozula, even I would put Kozula as a legend. Jesus Christ, Kozula, with the free the free kick to pull us back in, uh, Cassio to equalise, and then to Ramsey just to clinch that for us after being without a trophy for so long. Mm. Um, mate, oh, the day the day I had, we Um, went on, I watched it at the Emirates and we went on to you know, Holloway Road. Yeah, literally stopped every car. We were opening cars and dragging people out. We didn't care, (laughs) absolutely didn't care. It was the best day of my life. I'm telling you,
2: I know exactly how you feel. I was, I was at the game and you know, it had been 10 years uh, since a trophy, and everyone went, Oh, it's just the FA Cup. I'm telling you, nobody, nobody partied. That night, like it was just the FA Cup, it, it was more than that because it just finally put to bed that fucking that thing uh, that every time you open the paper
1: it was Arsenal's trophy drought. It was it was brilliant. It was amazing. It's amazing. Mm. I think Tottenham had a massive trophy drought, and they never get put in the paper. And then it's just like, why do we have to, the, the, the microscope on us so much? I don't get it.
2: Well, it's because we're bigger than them and more important than them. Um, with more history and success uh, and I more nice.
1: expectations. I'm trying to be nice, but to yeah. be honest, yeah. yeah.
2: That's fair enough. So, come here, <laughs> let me ask you this then. Uh, Ramsey leaving for free, though, is not ideal, is it? Because he is a player that we're going to have to replace in some way or another I wonder quite what we're going to be able to do in the transfer market to replace him, or maybe we'll look at one of these internal solutions: Um, Emil Smith Rowe, Alex Awobi, players who could play in a similar kind of role that Ramsey has played. But you know, from from a business point of view, it really isn't a great way to operate. You know, when you look at the players, Wilshire. Welbeck is going to go for free, Ramsey's going to go for free, Alexis went for um, Mkhitaryan, there have been some others as well who've left for for free in the last little while, Uh, Fabianski went for free, you know, we haven't managed these situations as well as we should have.
1: Yeah, yeah, and well, Wengus he was like, oh, basically, uh, this is the reason why, is that people will start letting their contracts run down, it's going to be beneficial to us, I didn't get, I was like, what? Mm. Yeah, well, it's not really benefiting us, I mean, the only thing we can probably take it from this is that we didn't pay that much for Ramsey, so we got, I don't know, what, two FA Cups out of him, um, and... Yeah.
2: Yeah. We got we got value for money, but we didn't yeah, necessarily but, get what we should have gotten. We, if we'd had 40 million pounds to spend, it might suit us better, but I, I know
1: what you mean. So um, I think we we'll just have to take it as that because, yeah, it is a big loss. I wish we could have commanded a fee for him. Mm. I don't know what our behind-the-door guys were thinking of letting someone like Ramsey's contract run out. Even Ozil's. Like, that was mental. Um, and then he's held us over a battle. um yeah, I feel like we can only the only positives we can take from it is that yeah, he he, we, he got some service out of him and we didn't pay that much for him. Mm,
2: what about the Ozil situation? How are you viewing that in the in the context of this season a new manager and you know, I think we were all hoping that Ozil would really step up and become a hugely important player under Unai Emery. It hasn't happened. We've had the statement from his agent, which was an agent saying all the things he should have. Arsenal have sort of had a little bit of a response today with a, a, an article in the Evening Standard by James Olley, who says, you know, Arsenal will, will assess the situation in the summer.
1: It's been... I just want to know what the point is. I, don't, I want to know what his beef is. What's the problem? Let us know and we'll sort it out. Ozu. We just want you to play and play well. <laughs> like, what is it? Is it? Is it Ray doesn't fancy him? Is he maybe... Because I heard, I heard a lot of rumors that um, he was like Wenger's like, teacher's pet kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, where he kind So maybe this new relationship, he's not really feeling it. Um, but he's sitting on like... Like a fat, fat wage. Mm. So he's just like, you know what? Let me just run this down and then I'll be off. Because like, I can't see anyone paying us 350k unless he goes to like China or somewhere. Yeah. I but can't I don't mean- really. See-
2: yeah, no, I'm just saying, I mean, he's he's not going to be off for another two and a half seasons if he just sits on it. And I don't think he can do that. And I don't think Arsenal can let him do that. And I have to say, you know, I, I've been disappointed by the way it's worked out between Emery and Ozil this season. But, I, you know, those reservations aside, it, it feels to me like our chances of getting into the top four are much greater if we can get... Yeah. Mesut Ozil back to something approaching his best, even on a semi-consistent basis. I don't think at this point after four or five years of watching Mesodozil, we're gonna get it Editing,
0: yeah.
2: week in, week Editing. out, week in, week out. But if we can get it every other week, it would do us some good, I think.
1: Yeah. I just uh, yeah, we just need to figure out what his problem is and why he feels this way. Is it an injury or is it <clears throat> is, is it an injury? Because there's so many stories that I actually don't know what it is. They say he's an injury. They say he Emery doesn't fancy him. Like mm. what is? It? Like I feel like we need to get to the bottom of what it actually is, and then um and then three out because his agent coming out saying yeah Ozil wants to see out his contract. Works. Well, of course he wants to see out his contract. He's on three hundred and fifty k a week. Mate, I want to see out my contract on twenty k a week. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll you know. see out Mesut Ozil's contract for him on hey, half hey, of that. Yeah, any anyone would do that. So. We just need to figure out what the the sitch is. Yeah, I don't think that we're going to find out until
2: someone writes a book because it's not in Ozil's interest to to, uh, reveal what's going on. It's not even in Arsenal's interest to reveal what's going on because, uh, you know, if there is bad stuff going on behind the scenes it will have an impact when you do try and move the player on. And similarly for Ozil, if he's perceived as being something of a bad apple, that might uh, affect the choices that he could make in the summer. So all we can do is hope that they sort whatever it is out and get him back to something approaching his best. Um, And we'll keep fingers crossed for that. But what about January now? We've got uh, a month to buy players. Would you be disappointed if all we could do this january was bring in some loan players it seems spectacularly mm. unambitious
1: doesn't it it does but the, uh, the thing is i don't know i don't even know who you go for like because it's always the question of cool you, you're gonna buy in january but is the quality there to buy in january maybe that's the reason why we're only going for loan deals because we're waiting out for the summer mm. to get the buys that we actually want like, but then you you hit me hearing stuff about Gary Cahill. was like, come on, like, what are we gonna do with Gary Cahill? Like, we just just about get away with Mustafi, yeah. <laughs> and uh, like Gary Cahill doesn't even get into the the Chelsea squad. So, that some of the players that are being touted, um, maybe not. Um, but I, w- I don't know if we should just go with what we got and see what happens because if if we're holding out. For better players in the summer, Um yeah, I just don't know what we should do. I mean, I'm hearing something about the Ram tree keeper. What's his name? Navas. Navas. That's not
2: that's not happening. He played that down today. Said oh, no. Okay. Yeah.
1: Said oh, okay. that, which is kind of ridiculous. Even, that wouldn't even make sense. Like, why would like why would you even? We've got three keepers. Mm. Why would you go for Navas. Like. That what message does that put out to your the keeper state you already got? leno has been having a wobbly, and then you go and f- sign Navas. Yeah, it,
2: it wouldn't. Uh, you know, I don't think even the the because of but, the way things have changed. Yeah. Imagine if the head of recruitment, having spent twenty five million pounds on a goalkeeper in the summer, yeah. went out and spent another thirteen million pounds on a goalkeeper in January. I mean, that kind of reflects really badly on him, not yeah, least yeah, Leno. But, uh, but, you know, apparently the, there's absolutely nothing to it. I mean, I'd love to see a defender. I'd love to see a central defender come
1: in. Uh, I think we need a defender. We need, we need a winger. I don't think we have an out-and-out out winger.
2: Yeah, I don't think we do either, but I don't know necessarily that, that Emery plays with that kind of a player. I do think we need something else in the forward line because we miss... What Welbeck gives us in yeah. terms of an option from
1: the bench and depth, Danny Mensah. Yeah, yeah you're a boy. Yeah, my boy. Um, yeah, I mean his energy is especially that's what was needed probably against Brighton, to be fair. Um, but yeah, we will probably need one more in there, and I feel like that's why he's reluctant to play um, Lacazette and Abamiam together because imagine him get both like one of them injured. Yeah, we like, will be in big big trouble. I'm sure. Would.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Well this has taken this has taken a depressing turn now.
1: I know Jesus I'm <laughs> I <was> about. <laughs> But I mean what we can say is we're fifth we're we um, three points off fourth place like we're not doing as bad as people think I don't think
2: No, and we had a 22-game unbeaten run in which, okay, we rode our luck a little bit, but it did show that we've got some character and some resilience to us and that, you know, if we can put something similar together, uh, and, uh, you know, maybe it's fair to say that some of the other teams haven't really had a blip yet. Can we count on them having a blip? Maybe we can, maybe we can't, but if they do and we can win a few games, the complexion of the table changes very quickly, doesn't it? Because you think a few weeks ago, everyone was talking about City running away with the title, uh, and as we're sitting here, recording this, they're about to play Liverpool, and they're what, six points behind them? Uh, seven points behind them in the table. Liverpool could go ten points clear tonight if they win, which is an amazing turnaround in just a few weeks, so similarly, with much less at stake, it could turn the other way for us.
1: I've had an a, a, a argument with a lot of Arsenal fans. Who would you rather want to win the league? Would you want Liverpool or Man City to win it?
2: I would rather see Liverpool win it. And I
1: <laughs> I I I have
2: and it's not just because I've got a Liverpool supporting brother. I I think there's something more maybe I'm trying to cling to something that isn't there these days in football, but it just seems to be something more. Natural, natural or anything. honest about oh, yeah. the way Liverpool <laughs> will have won the title. You know, having been a club in a position not too dissimilar to ours. They've built over the last number of years with Klopp, and they've put together a very good squad, and they're fighting against a team who are, you know, financial... I know Wenger always used the term financial doping, but I think there is something to that. I think there's something very... Uh, Unpleasant and cynical about the whole Manchester City slash City Group thing because they've got these clubs all over the world to, to build this nice, friendly, PR city empire funded with money that we all look at and go, you know, what the fuck? That's not right. That shouldn't happen. So I realize more people hate Liverpool than they hate Manchester City. And I get it because there's history and there's media stuff and everything else. But just from that point of view... I think it would be better for football and maybe that's a
1: poxy thing to say but that's what I think. I mean you just go and look at the um there's like a a chart that came out where it showed how much uh, the investors invested over the 10 years and like Man City's investment is just stupid. Like they've literally pumped money into them and I think Liverpool's is kind of like 50-50 where ours is uh, basically we we buy our players Kroenke hasn't spent a penny. Um, but just looking at that you're just like I don't, I would rather Liverpool win it just because it's yeah like you said it's so it's more honest and I feel like yeah that Man City have pretty much just bought the league.
2: Yeah. And I'm look. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to bury my head in a fucking bucket and not watch TV <laughs> no. or read a newspaper for about three months afterwards. I'm not saying I'm I'm going to like yeah, it in any be, way. Yeah,
1: be over the moon about it. Yeah, but it's a lesser. of both evils
2: i think yeah. <laughs> i th- i think so i think so well look we'll see what happens in that game tonight and uh, i look forward to your preview of arsenal or blackpool versus arsenal and how uh how you pump the team up for this particular game uh pleasure talking to you thanks a million thanks a lot man thanks Thank you very much indeed to Frimpon. You can find him on Twitter at Frimponline. That is at Frimponline. And if you're in need of g'ing up before any Arsenal game, just check out the video that he makes beforehand. It'll get you in the mood, let me tell you.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down.
2: Right. Arsenal travel to Blackpool this weekend for an FA Cup third round clash. All is not well with Blackpool Football Club. With me to discuss why is the head of the Blackpool Supporters Trust, Christine Seddon. Hi, Christine. Hello. FA Cup third round is usually one of those weekends where if a smaller club draws a bigger club from the Premier League, we get all the stories about the magic of the cup and giant killing, potential giant killing, and Arsenal have been on the end of a couple of those in our history. This weekend, Blackpool face Arsenal and so far have sold just 2,500 tickets out of the uh, 17,000 capacity. Arsenal have uh, their allocation of around 5,000 tickets, there is a serious issue going on between Blackpool fans and the people who run and own Blackpool Football Club. What exactly is happening here and why are so few fans going to attend this game at the weekend?
3: Right, OK, I'll, I'll try and make this as... Um... Uh, short as possible, but we have a very complex situation at Blackpool, which has been running for, for some considerable time. Um, I, I need to stress here and now that Blackpool fans have been unhappy with the ownership of the Oysters almost since they took over. Um, so, protests against them is nothing new, and it certainly isn't anything to do with the fact that we got to the Premier League for one season and we're not there anymore. Um, this this is about the, the Future of our football club Um, and and what we have in our owners um, are people who basically have um, taken the monies that has come into the club, the opportunity that there is to um, benefit not just the club, but the town as well, um, which should have come on the back of those many millions that came into the club when we got to the Premier League um, and have basically siphoned off the money for their other non-football businesses um, and for their own interests. Um, I'm not saying anything um, libelous there because that was actually proved in court in 2017 that they have illegitimately asset-stripped our football club.
2: To the tune of, uh, just to put it in context for a a, a relatively small club like Blackpool, to the tune of £26.77 million pounds.
3: That well, that's correct. um in, in fact, um the minority shareholder Valery bellicon, who who brought this legal action against the oysters, he was awarded a total of thirty one point two seven million, uh, and of course, there's costs and interests on top of that. so um it, it's it's a pretty appalling situation. But um, after a couple of years, when, after we'd been relegated from the Premier League and, and when the accounts started to be published and we could see exactly what was going on, um, quite a few fans started to voice their concerns. One, in fact, did um, accuse them in those early days of asset stripping the club. Um, and they started threatening their own fans with legal action. Mm. Um, many fans had to find tens of thousands of pounds to get them to call the dogs off, so to speak. Um, the relationship between the owners and the fans is absolutely toxic. It has broken down irretrievably. Um, but for, for Blackpool fans, um, the boycotting started in earnest, um, sort of 2014-2015, certainly at the end of the 2015 season when our last game um, against Huddersfield was actually abandoned because players, uh, because fans ran onto the pitch. Mm. Um, But that was born out of the sheer frustration that comes as a fan when it becomes obvious that nobody's listening to you and that there is absolutely nobody to help us. Um, as I've, I've already mentioned Valery Bellicon, he he was a businessman that invested in the club and who did indeed, uh, on the back of his money it was him that got us to the Premier League in the first place, but at least he has recourse to law and he's used that, which is, is great for him and hopefully will be good for us in the long term mm. but we have no recourse to law, we have no judge, we have no referee, nobody is speaking for us, the football authorities have been absolutely useless Do- when it comes to dealing with our rogue owners yeah, um, and I know we're not the only football club that has sure. rogue owners but ours are pretty unique I think
2: do, do you feel let down by the Premier League by the EFL because we have a situation don't we where the club is actually up for sale Owen Oyston has, has put the club up for sale um, Valeri Bellicon as you say is somebody who would like to take over but is prevented from doing so by EFL rules because he doesn't pass their fit and proper person test because of a an alleged fraud uh, conviction for fraud in Kurdistan is it for banking
1: that, that, irregularities
2: right, yes. <laughs> as if yeah well no, I don't want to uh, say anything further on that but um, where where exactly does it leave you then and what can the the authorities or the people who run football in the UK do to help Blackpool Football Club?
3: Well, um, I have to say, as a a trust, Blackpool Supporters Trust, we we started all of this because we obviously wanted to secure the future of our own football club because of the problems we've got. But it then became obvious that this is part of a much wider problem. Um, And um, what I should tell you is that when we were in the Premier League, um, the EPL actually did ban Owen Oyston and told him that because he is um, a convicted rapist, um, a conviction which is never spent, um, he is not a fit and proper person to own a football club and they will apply those rules retrospectively so he was in told he had to sell his shares unfortunately they didn't follow it up and so by the time they decided to check whether he'd done it or not we'd been relegated so it wasn't their problem anymore so they just swept it under the carpet now the EFL um they also have the same test but they refuse to they say they can't apply it retrospectively now how you can have two different football authorities applying the same rule in different ways is beyond me Um, but of course that also brings into question the integrity of of the competition because you've now got a football owner who has absolutely no interest in investing properly in his team um, because he knows if we were ever to get back to the premier league he would be forced to sell so mm. it's, a, it's a, a shocking situation. And, yeah, we, we feel very badly let down by football authorities who quite simply have just washed the hands of it and say, oh, well, there's nothing we can do. It, it's outrageous.
2: So where exactly do you see the future going for Blackpool? Because it feels like you're in a kind of limbo here where you have an owner who's put the club up for sale. Uh, the guy who wants to buy it can't buy it or can't be the owner of it. So is it a case that this guy is just going to hang on to it until such time as somebody comes along and makes him an offer he can refuse? What, what is he actively trying to sell the club? Do you know?
3: He's, he, it appears that he is not actively trying to sell it. He said that he was going to, but um, I mean, we at the trust we've had um, various interested parties contact us about the club. Um, but nobody wants to get involved until this massive debt that Owen o- owes to Valery um he still owes well over £25 million, is settled. Um, now, it will be settled eventually because the courts have decreed that it has to happen um, and there is actually a penal notice attached to the legal actions now. So if Owen doesn't do something about it, he, he could end up going back to prison. Um, but it's just it takes such a very, very long time. Mm. Um, and for us as fans, obviously, we're still on the outside boycotting. Yeah. Um, that is very, very important. The, our not-a-penny-more is hugely important because although, yes, it's the huge sums of money that he owes to Valeri Bellicon that, that have, have financially crippled Owen Oyston, but the fact is that not-a-penny-more is costing the club something like it's losing about £2 million or more every season now. That is unsustainable. No football owner could, could continue... Um, indefinitely like that Mm. so it is very important the action we're taking because however long it takes it does mean that eventually um Owen Oyston's football club asset isn't one that he'll be able to hang on to so we will push him out eventually but it's just taking a long time and that's why Mm. um, we're we're sort of asking that you know when visitors come to, to limit your spend because every single penny that he gets helps him to cling on for another week, another month, even another season. Um, And obviously television money is, you know, getting this far in the FA Cup, which as a football fan delights me. Mm. But as somebody who is having to look at the bigger picture, it also dismays me because it's it's enabling Owen to hang on even longer. Sure.
2: So you're looking for some solidarity from the visiting fans this weekend in terms of, what they spend at the ground uh, so if you're hungry get a pie somewhere else if you're thirsty have a pint before the game that kind of thing
3: that absolutely is is what we're asking i mean we do this on a weekly basis you know for, for any any visitors but th- this is a significant game and, and obviously significant numbers will be coming we don't expect visitors to boycott like we boycott we totally understand that you're coming to support your team um, but anything that you can do that can help support our campaign and as you rightly say Today. giving your custom to um, the businesses around the football ground is a brilliant thing to do because our community has been badly impacted by this as well there are businesses that have failed there's businesses that are struggling so they would really appreciate your money in the pubs and the, the <clears> fish <throat> and chip shops etc it, it, it would make a big difference sure and um, and and just withhold whatever you can um from from mr oyston it's an awful thing to have to do but sure this is, this
2: is the situation we're in. Well, it, it sounds like it's desperate times calling for, for desperate measures, really. Um, so, look, I hope that some of the Arsenal fans will, will help you out. Has the response from other fans been good in that regard? Have you found that other fans have been... Um have connected with this particular issue? Because I I know it's at a completely different scale and it's a completely different issue. But, you know, there are Arsenal fans who look at the owner that we have who's just taken 100% control of the club and have some concerns about the direction he might take it in. So I think as football fans, sometimes we have to step back away from whatever rivalries there might be and and look at uh, what's best for clubs and what's best for the game.
3: Um, Yeah, I've been absolutely delighted at the response we've had from fans around the country. Um, This is above club club rivalries. This is about the survival of a a football club Um, and and it's about looking at football as being part of the community. Fans are being taken advantage of left, right and centre. Premier League fans, of course, um, to be honest they don't even need your money anymore because they've got all this television money coming in Um, but they still need you there as as like television extras because it's Mm an increasingly global television product so they need you to turn up for the atmosphere um, but they're not really bothered with what you think or what you feel or if it, if the times and the kick suit you or any of these issues it's just all about the money and um, it's incredibly sad so what we say is that really Blackpool's fight is football's fight because every single football club is only one owner away mm. from a potential disaster and what has happened to Blackpool will eventually be catalyst to bring the change we need, not just in our ownership, but in football governance as a whole. So, you know, we really, really appreciate any support that Arsenal fans can give us. We're not just petulant people that have uh, are throwing our toys out the pram. This is a long, sustained and. Principled stand that we're taking. We're into our fourth season boycotting our own team. Believe me, when you're a fourth generation football fan like I am, that is really hard to do.
2: Yes, I was going to ask you just finally aside from the campaign that you've been running and obviously something you feel very strongly about, this is the right thing to do for the future of the football club. I'm interested to know what it feels like on a weekly basis or bi-weekly basis, when you don't go and see the team that you've supported your entire life? What, what does it feel like to deny yourself the, the joy that football brings? I know there are issues with ownership, but for 90 minutes we can often put all kinds of things aside and invest ourselves in the game and invest ourselves in those moments which get us off our seats. So What has it been like for you and for the other fans who have chosen this very difficult path?
3: It's it's absolutely heartbreaking. And um, I, as part of the supporters trust, you know, we, we have a symbolic presence outside the ground before every single home game. We've done that since August 2015. We haven't missed one single game, but we stand outside and at three o'clock or a mm. kickoff, we walk away. And, um, you know, when it's um, something that's in your blood and say, I've just said I'm a fourth generation fan. My mum, she passed away in October, she was 91. She'd supported Blackpool since she was seven. She went to the cup final in 53 on the back of her brother's motorbike you know it's absolutely we, we have tangerine blood in our veins and yet she's been boycotting she started boycotting in 2015 too and she wasn't getting any better um and she knew that she would never see her team again but she did it anyway because it was a matter of principle and and believe me she's not the only one so it's a very personal thing it hurts enormously but we have to secure the future of our club for future generations we have to and so we've got to look the bigger picture at the long term and if that causes us some short term pain then so be it because we will win this fight we will
2: well look Christine uh, I wish you and I'm sure many of the people listening to this podcast will wish you every success it's uh a It's a difficult road you've chosen to go down, but as you say, you're doing it for the right reasons and for the long-term future of Blackpool Football Club. We'll see what happens at the weekend. I can't say I wish you luck on the pitch, of course, but uh, with everything else, uh, really the very best of luck and thanks for talking to me.
3: Thank you very much indeed.
2: That was Christine Seddon, who is the chairperson of the Blackpool Supporters' Trust. Things are obviously not being run the way they should be at that particular football club, and you know it's bad when fans are, are boycotting and denying themselves the chance to see their team week in, week out. There's uh, there's something very wrong with that situation. Uh, if Arsenal fans going to the game this weekend want to support uh, the, the work that the Blackpool Supporters' Trust are doing, Get your food outside the ground. Don't spend your money inside the ground if you can help it. They obviously need things to change there as quickly as possible, and best of luck to them. In terms of the game, there isn't a huge amount of team news. Some players still being assessed. Mesut Ozil's knee injury is one of those. Hector Bellerin, Shkodran Mustafi. Uh, I'm not sure Nacho Monreal maybe as well, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Unai Emery said basically we're going to take a team that will respect the competition, etc., etc., but we might give a chance to play who aren't playing a great deal and also to to some of the young players. So maybe we could see uh, Bukayo Saka. He could start after making his Premier League debut. That will be exciting to see what he can do in a forward position. Beyond that, there isn't a great deal of scope for rotation. The squad is not quite as deep as we would like it to be. But maybe that will be addressed in January. Maybe we'll buy some new players. Who knows? We might talk about that on the Arsecast Extra on Monday with James. Just to advise you that that recording won't take place until Monday evening. So you're going to have to wait a while after the Blackpool game to get the Arscast Extra on Monday. But it will be available for you on Monday evening. In the meantime, let's hope for a good win this weekend. The FA Cup is a tournament which has given us lots of fantastic memories, lots of history. We are the club that's won it more than any other. And if we could win it again this season, I'd be quite happy with that. So let's hope for a good win and we can start preparing them for some Premier League games of real, real importance. I think we got West Ham, then Chelsea. So a couple of London derbies to look forward to. Uh, until the next time. Take it easy, folks. Thanks for listening as always. Cheers. Bye-bye. Yes, of course, of course my client wants to stay. He he absolutely loves this club. He loves it with all his heart. He has a special bond with, with everybody here, I think it's fair to say. I can tell you right now that he has absolutely no intention of leaving. Certainly not in January. This is the club of his heart. He feels very good here. He has no reason whatsoever to leave or think about leaving. Why would he leave? Well, because this is our ladies' book club. He comes in every day, sits there, doesn't say a word, and yesterday he ate all the custard creams. Give me 20 quid, I'll get rid.
0: Deal. Hold up.